When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yeah, it'll be the same system. Obviously, he's going to have a new, new offensive coordinator. It'll be the fifth one in five years, I think he told me yesterday. So, or at least voice in his ear, you know, on game day. But um, so, I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. But uh, I think I think it's important not not just for Kirk, but for the the entire offense to have the same system, the same calls, and things like that. So that you know, they come in here on day one, uh, it's not completely foreign to them. Um, shoot, we got a lot of work to do. Um, that's what it's, that's what the off season's for, you know, that's what the spring's for. Um, so we just got to get back to it. All right, that was Mike Zimmer and Eric Hendricks, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here on Purple Daily as we start to figure out how to move the conversation forward. So we've been picking apart what happened in San Francisco how they can go forward, and already there's a few things that are sort of rising to the top, Courtney. And number one is, I believe the consensus is that most Vikings fans feel like they should draft a quarterback this year in the first round. I want to talk today about the path to getting over the hump. That was something that Mike Zimmer talked about, saying he was talking with Bill Parcells on the phone after losing about how you get over this competitive but not quite good enough to get to the Super Bowl type of thing that the Vikings have been in. And I, I like to call it you know, the Marvin Lewis Cincinnati Bengals, where you're good and you're relevant and you've turned around a franchise, but it's never quite good enough to get deep. And there's other examples of this, including Gary Kubiak's Houston Texans teams that had Matt Schaub and the most obvious answer is always in the quarterback somewhere. And uh, I think what last year we talked about so much was getting the most out of the quarterback. Well, if they get the most out of Kirk Cousins, then they give themselves a chance. I think this year, Courtney, they gave themselves the best version of Kirk Cousins that you could ever have, and it did not get you where you needed to go. Tell me if you agree with that, because that's sort of going to be the basis of how we talk about this entire offseason. Like, do you believe that they missed something? Do you believe they should have done X instead of Z last year that cost them a chance 
to be a Super Bowl caliber team, or do you think they did everything they possibly could have for Kirk Cousins and they got a good season out of him, but not a great season? And that's about what you know is this is his ceiling. Well, yeah, this is his ceiling. That's where I want to start with this. What we saw in New Orleans was the best possible version of Kirk that you're going to see. Something that I'm not necessarily sure is a consistent uh, thing that he can do. Leading a game-winning drive of that great of a magnitude with that high of stakes. Um, I don't know if that's something he can turn in routinely throughout the next phase of his career in what could potentially be the final year in Minnesota or could potentially be one of maybe two or three, however many more years, if he does indeed get that extension this offseason. I'll start back with that. To me, going into the Saints game, and I've said this for months, maybe even for just about a year now, that all Kirk needed to do was the one thing he hadn't done yet in his career, and that's win a playoff game in order for him to get the extension for them to say, hey, you got to this quote-unquote next level, which is what Gary was talking about this Mm -hmm. offseason, Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, Kirk himself. Um, And that was cracking the notion that he is an average quarterback, that he's a 500 quarterback, which he himself admitted to being. I think he did that this year. I think the numbers uh, speak to it all, you know, all throughout the season that he had some very good moments. He had an incredible stretch in October, albeit against some not so great competition, but he still handled business and he did what he had to do. Mm -hmm. But the moments that you always knew would pop back up did. And it was kind of like clockwork. And so when I look at the situation of where this team can go, and, and yeah, you're right, it typically does, that conversation does center around the quarterback. Um, it feels to me, and kind of the reaction I've been getting on social media from Vikings fans as we've done all this uh, year-end work and are kind of beginning to pick apart, okay, well, what's next, mm-hmm. is that this might be the ceiling under Mike Zimmer. If you are going to have the same approach where you are putting your foot down Nothing changes with this offense, same scheme, same play call, same design, same everything. Then I don't know that you can get better than where you're at right now because, and this goes beyond, and I'm sure we'll get into this over the next few hours, like beyond the run first mentality, like you got to have something else because if Mm -hmm. you have a quarterback that you have basically schemed away from having to win you games outside of the one chance he did that successfully, in New Orleans, because he was asked to do it in in Seattle and couldn't do it, um, and there were other instances of it as well, but those two stand out the most. If you don't have that guy who can get you over the hump, then this is what you're going to mm-hmm. get. Yeah, I think that if you're going to compete for a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins in his final season, you have to go 13-3 and or 14-2, and and you have to, to win. get a one seed or right. a you two to, seed. You have to be the best team or the second best team in the entire NFC. And that is not an easy task. It's not an impossible task, though. With the roster that they sent out this year, this was a roster that very easily could have produced that type of season based on how easy the schedule was. I've uh, brought it up a number of times, but it's Pro Football Reference has it as one of the 10 easiest schedules the Vikings have ever had in their entire history as a franchise. Next year, that is unlikely to be the case, that you go back-to-back years. It's maybe once a decade you end up with a schedule that was as easy as the Vikings, and yet every time they faced the challenge in the regular season, they fell apart. So even if they won the one game in the playoffs, you look at all those other times and go, that's where your major regret should be because that cost you a home playoff game. I totally believe that Kirk Cousins could go all the way to the Super Bowl if they had home field throughout. 
because, I mean, A, he's more comfortable there. The noise is not an issue there. I don't think that bothers him a ton, but more than anything, it's just the other teams have it really hard when they go up against you, as we saw the Vikings trying to travel out to San Francisco. So if you're already gassed and coming to Minnesota, there's a chance that the Vikings could go to the Super Bowl. So the question you're asking is, can they be the first or second best team in the NFC next year, or how do you get there, or can that even happen with Kirk Cousins as quarterback? And when we were talking about getting him even to 10 wins as being a a pretty major victory for him to have a winning season, that's where the formula really struggles to add up because bad Kirk can't show up five different times in a season. Mm -hmm. And even in his best career season, as you mentioned, best by a lot under this system and under Kevin Stefanski, there were still five games where he did not show up and you end up going 10 and six on the season. Or even if they had been 11 and five, it would be the same sort of result. You're playing on wildcard weekend and it's great to see Tennessee where they are. They're probably a stronger team than nine and seven. They'll probably lose to Kansas city and we'll end up with a one or two versus a one or two, just as we always do every single year. So I've changed the way that I look at things. I I've been looking at things in the years past of you. Well, you get to the playoffs and see what happens. But I don't want to look at it that way anymore with so much evidence. Even if Tennessee wins, there's still so much evidence to say that's the outlier. It's almost impossible to do. You have to be one of the two best teams in your conference. So if you're saying, how how can we fix this going forward? How can you get better? You should look through it the lens of, can you get to the one or a two seed with this team, with this quarterback? And again, if you're considering signing them to a contract extension, that's what you should be asking yourself. Can this quarterback get us to a one or two seed at any point in a five-year contract extension or a three-year contract extension? And if the answer is no, then you have to go with someone else. Yeah, and I mean, I just, I am cautious to believe that they're going to go and draft a quarterback. And I know that this is so many months away. I am um, too. But you think about how many other needs there are this offseason for this team, which, you know, for a team that's kind of handicapped itself, with the salary cap just based on Kirk's contract initially in 2018 and the implications that was going to give you in 2020, uh, once the new league starts, uh, you know, basically two months from today. Like, I know that they can unload a bunch of defensive contracts and move on from guys and everything else, but it still makes it tough. So when you're looking at the offensive line and you're looking at how you're going to replace cornerbacks that are, you know, undeniably not going to be here next yeah. year. Yep. Like that kind of makes you think, okay, well, your first round pick is at 25. A, you're probably not getting a quarterback at that. You know, it's it's kind of an outlier that you'd get somebody right away mm-hmm. that could, you know, learn on. I mean, it would certainly need to you take a, a year, year. Yeah. under Kirk and all that. But um, I just think there's too many other needs. If I'm like dissecting this right now, trying to figure out what's going to happen, I just feel like that's, they saw enough to think, hey, we can, I mean, and I don't necessarily agree with this logic, but just from what Mike Zimmer was saying, and kind of if you're taking his words at face value, it's we're a few more pieces away. Well, a few more pieces are probably fixing the offensive line. How many times have we heard that? How many times have we heard, yeah. oh, they're just a few, they're just an interior lineman away. They're it's just, hard. It, it's very hard. It's, I, you know, I know people say quarterback is the hardest position to evaluate as a scout. I think offensive line is either 1A or 1B there because. The offensive line got better this year because the scheme made it look better. The personnel didn't get better. I really don't believe that. And, you know, just with where this team's at right now, I just don't know how you can expect them to be more than where they were. That the ceiling becomes 
a one-win playoff team in the wild card round, and the reality probably looks like a nine and seven or an eight and eight team. It just feels like regression is inevitable with this team mm-hmm. because it took so much for them to get there at this point in 2019 that if you're saying you're not going to change anything, then this is what you should expect year in and year out. Yeah, that you're probably looking at this being as good as you can be mm-hmm. with this coach and this quarterback and this current structure and this current system and offense. And you could say, well, yeah, but they were right there in a couple of the games. Well, that's kind of the point, is that it's always been with Cousins. Well, yeah, you're always there in the games, and you don't always come away with them. Um, It was the same in 2018 with Cousins, where there were a number of different opportunities to get over the top there. I agree with you that the odds do not speak to them drafting a quarterback this year. If anything, with people's jobs still on the line, which even though they'll sign the coach and GM to a contract extension, their jobs are on the line next year. Uh, All that hot seat talk uh, that you reported on and this show talked about a lot with Mike Zimmer, it was all real from ownership. If they had gotten beat by 30 points in New Orleans, we would have been talking about a coaching search. I truly believe that. Um, But, uh, you know, so this changed everything for a week that they won in New Orleans. But we went right back to... Well, if you don't get them over the hump and if you don't appear in a Super Bowl and so forth at some point, then they'll move on just like every other ownership moves on from every coach. So if you're looking at it through that lens and you're Mike Zimmer, you want a core back and not a core back drafted in the first round because you want to be able to plug somebody yeah. right into a spot there or because you don't have the money to spend like crazy on whoever the number one free agent cornerback is going to be out there. And more likely than not, I would say they let Trey Waynes go. Or definitely let Xavier Rhodes go. So you're looking for two new starting outside corners. Potentially, McKen- I mean, I think McKenzie's leaving before anybody else. Yeah, McKenzie. Right. I think last season yep. was handled. I think him. he'll be gone too. So you're gonna you're gonna be talking about a little bit of a forest through the trees situation. See, Mike Zimmer's gonna look at the trees and he's going to be saying, "Well, we need a corner, and we need another corner, and we need another corner, and we need, you know, uh, how about a, a defensive tackle who could put some darn pressure on the quarterback? And how about this? How about re-signing Anthony Harris because he's got all these interceptions? But the tr- the, the trees, uh, the, the forest, I mean, is, hey, can you really win with this quarterback, or is he kind of put a cap on where you can go? And he's Alex Smith in that way, I think, where he's good and very good sometimes. Great, but probably puts a cap on where you can go. So is Mike Zimmer involved then in this draft the same way he has been before? I mean, I think so. I think he'd have to be. I don't think he wants to be a coach who doesn't have control over the roster, or at least what he believes is control over the roster uh, and making some of those personnel decisions. But um, the the way I think you have to look at it is... Quarterback is just not the priority right now It's in terms of what you're going to draft for. I mean, you're not going to be tanking for Trevor next year, but you might be in position to get, you know, I don't know why I'm so skeptical right now. Maybe it's just because it's the end of the season. It's kind of the fatigue of it. Maybe I need to go on a break like Mike Zimmer's giving his coaches for the week and then reconvene and reevaluate. But I don't see this team as getting back to where they were this year next year. And I don't know if I believe it's just because of the quarterback or because of all the other deficiencies, but I think that they are going to be so up against it in the draft and picking where they are at 25 that you're not going to be able to have all of these immediate plug-and-play players that are going to be able to be that one or two pieces away that Mike Zimmer talked about in getting this team back to where it needs to be. Truthfully, I think you need a shake-up again, which sucks. I get it. That really is hard for a Mm -hmm. coaching staff. 
to me, outside of Kirk, outside of um, you know the struggles on defense and and all that happened, I think the scheme was good. Was it great? Probably not. Did it get you thirteen play action touchdown passes from Kirk? Yeah. You don't have to do that though necessarily through this exact thing. I think the fact that he is so doubling down on wanting to remain the zone-based scheme that's predicated off a run-first mentality and then play action passes with Kirk, but all centered around Dalvin Cook, who has not stayed healthy entirely for a full 16-game season, that to me, when I was watching that game on Sunday, the exact, or excuse me, on Saturday, I go back to Green Bay, and then beyond that, I go back to what happened in the second half in Seattle, and then beyond that, I go back to what happened in Chicago and in Green Bay the first time. Yep. If you cannot break away from that mold, the best teams, yes, t- Tennessee has a run-first mentality. They also have Derek freaking Henry. And and Ryan Tannehill has been playing like an MVP caliber quarterback yeah. since week seven. If you He's start in great. week one, they're 13-3 team. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. And, that, and that's my issue. That the, the scheme they have themselves here and the fact that they are so chained to it makes them set themselves up for failure going into next year. That's why it's going to be an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven season next year. Not just on Kirk, not just on a regressing defense that they're going to be trying to piecemeal and potentially build out through the draft that might not be able to be ready to where they were at a few years ago to get back there. It's the scheme itself, and that's what terrifies me when I look at this uh, offensive coordinator search and what they're potentially going to do because I don't think that running this exact same system is going to get you beyond the ceiling of where you were at this year. See, I think that whether you run this system or John D. Filippo comes back and puts in the spread offense again, or whether Bill Walsh rises up from the grave and drops down here with Joe Montana to help Kirk Cousins. I get it. I mean, it, you're, you're going to end up with probably the same results. Yeah, right, that's yeah. true. But and they had to do everything they could to put Cousins in a bubble. Let's call it the play action bubble. To where it was so reliant on play action shots down the field because he can't be a straight drop quarterback. And when I see on Twitter, and, and I appreciate these comments about the offensive line and need to improve it, and mm-hmm. I do not disagree. I really don't. I don't disagree that it was a problem, the problem, as usual, that they couldn't protect Kirk. But when you have a guy who has never really been capable of being out of the shotgun and just taking the snap and make it plays or straight drop back. Like at some point in the playoffs that you have to win a game that way because it's not going to be handed to you. Guess what? The other team's good at football. Like, well, they just had a good defensive line. All right, let's find all the crappy defensive lines in the playoffs. (laughs) Sorry, those ones don't get there. But I do think, just to interrupt there, like the same issues that popped up last year, like the, the Mike Zimmer was kind of frank about it that the scheme helped the offensive line. Yeah, oh, yeah they're yeah, going yeah, one did. way and Kirk's going the other. Yeah, it did. Like, but there's just only so many times you can, you can do, do that. that. Kirk out of the shotgun this year. I looked at these stats the other day because I was curious. He had a 53 total QBR out of the shotgun. That's 17th in the NFL. So kind of meh. Yeah. Like not great. Yeah. Um, and is, but he took 223 snaps passing attempts. He had 223 passing attempts out of the shotgun. So to say he wasn't a shotgun quarterback, I just don't necessarily. By that, but he wasn't that he wasn't good great at it, at it because his, he had a sixty-four percent completion percentage, and he threw nine touchdowns and three interceptions out of that. He's not good when he has a face of pressure, whether it's coming up through the middle or coming from the edge. And if you don't scheme him away from that, like if that's your only way to get him successful, is to put him on the run and to get him on the other side of the field where the defensive line's going the other way. Like that's not sustainable. Like. Not having somebody who can't can perform in the shotgun routinely yeah. and be a drop back offense routinely. I'm not saying you have to get into a drop back game every time to win. 
you're throwing 70% of the time. I'm not saying that, but... At some point you do, though. At some point you do to win. I mean, not an anomaly. When Kansas City gets down 24 to nothing, from the time that they were down 24-0 to the time they're leading, they ran the football one time, and it was at the goal line. They just... And there was no play action. It was... Your quarterback has to take snaps and make plays. That's the only way to win. When you get down in San Francisco 17 to 10, the only way to win is probably going to be a shotgun, take the snap, throw the ball type of thing. And that's where, you know, Tom Brady over his career was so excellent was taking the snap, diagnosing where he needed to go, get rid of the ball, throw it accurately. Cousins too often has this hesitation in his game that has always existed, this slight tick slower than other quarterbacks getting the ball out there, and that's where he makes his offensive line worse. And we always focus on, well, this guy wasn't perfect, and this guy wasn't perfect, and this guy wasn't perfect, and then you ask, well, who's on the Kansas City offensive line? Mitchell Schwartz, their right tackle, is fantastic. But, I mean, it's not Orlando Pace and Will Shields and Darmani Dawson, and you know, it's, it's, it's not like the 92 Cowboys offensive line it's a good offensive line probably better than the vikings but it's a quarterback who can make plays and it's a quarterback who can thrive in that atmosphere that usually takes it to win and that's why you ask is there any formula where you can put together enough players and enough talent around kirk cousins and the and enough system and enough scheme and enough trickery and everything else to actually win and with the contract that he has i say there isn't if he did not have that contract, I would say sure. possibly. But, but you're asking for perfection, Matthew. Like, that's what it has to be to win with Cousins. It has to be absolutely perfect. And like, it was as close as it'll ever get this and year. And I agree with that. So it's like, where do you, where do you go from here? People, I, I love that you know we're getting a bunch of good answers right now because I was asking people on Twitter, and please keep sending these in, what your biggest concerns are for the offseason. But even if you do draft a quarterback, let's say they get one, I don't know, you could get a third rounder. I don't know if it'll ever pan out, but you could get a third rounder this year, maybe thinking, okay, for the backup option or if you have to start grooming somebody. Okay, but is he going to play in 2020? Probably not because of the justification of of that, of a $30 million cap hit, yeah. roughly. It would be co- benching it's cousins, cousins no matter like, what. Next yes, year. like that's. Yeah. I don't know. I'm at a loss here because it's like it is it's cousins or it's not. Like it's that's it. Like he is playing next year. He is the starting quarterback. That would be catastrophically awful optics to bench him next year. Oh with, yeah, that's not and that's happen. not going to happen. Yep. But it's also to expect that the quarterback play is going to all of a sudden get that much better because you're keeping the same scheme. I think is just kind of yeah. short sighted. No, it's it's definitely not going to get better than it was this year. By every single metric across the board, this was Kirk Cousins' best season. And there's a reason why it's a career year, because it probably won't happen again. Mm-hmm. He could be good, but it probably won't be exactly the same. And when you have the cover band version of what Stefanski was doing, there's no guarantee that you're going to have the exact same success and the exact same chemistry with the play caller and with the uh, the quarterback. So I was looking at this, though, because you mentioned drafting quarterbacks. Uh, and I'll, I'll give this to you now, and then maybe after the break we can sort of talk about this. But if it were this year they were drafting the third best quarterback in the draft, would that be something that you would like? And that would be, so we're saying Joe Burrow is going to Cincinnati. Of course, and Tua and is going to be gone. So I don't know who the third best quarterback is. I mean, we'll find out through draft season, the combine, everything else. So it'd be the guy from Oregon, essentially. Just, maybe. maybe. Let's just go ahead and yeah. say that. I'm not a huge fan, but maybe. Let's okay. just say. But just historically, 
I want to look at the third best quarterback that was drafted. And mm-hmm. we could talk about sort of your odds. So I'm going to go through these. Let's start with 2008. Just a sort of arbitrary place that will give us about, what, nine or ten of these. So Brian Brom was the third quarterback drafted behind Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco. Yeah. Uh, Josh Freeman was the third quarterback in 2009 behind Matt, San- uh, Matt Stafford and Mark Sanchez. Jimmy Clausen was the third quarterback drafted in 2010. It's not going well so far. Blaine Gabbert was the third quarterback in 2011. Again, it is not going so good. Now, Ryan Tannehill, um, who maybe if he wasn't coached by Adam Gase, would have been a lot better. Jury's still out, I guess, on Ryan Tannehill, if, if he's really this good or not. 2012. But you take it. Yeah. Because you can, he's going to get a massive extension anyways, because that's the same thing. You take it. When you see it, you take it. Even Dolphins' Ryan Tannehill got them to the playoffs and is probably as good as Kirk or, or somewhere in that ballpark, like in that middle tier, but it wouldn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So there's the first one. It took us a few years. There's the first one you'd take. Mike Glennon was the third quarterback in 2013. And let's pass on that one. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater in 2014. Of course you would take that. In 2015, Garrett Grayson, third quarterback Who is off that? the board. Yeah, Does I don't he know. Play? He's somebody. Anywhere? Paxton Lynch in 2016. Yeah. Gary it, would nix that one. Deshaun Watson in 2017, but only because Ryan Pace is a hysterical fool. Uh, so there's one you'd take. Mm-hmm. 2017. 2018, Josh Allen. Of course, you should have taken Lamar Jackson. And uh, last year, Dwayne Haskins, which we don't know whether Dwayne Haskins will be good or not. So I guess the point is. Drafting a quarterback sounds great, and I think I'm for it, but the third quarterback off the board, historically, pretty woof. Yeah, and I mean, are you? do you think even this year that the third quarterback would get to Minnesota at 25? Mm, good question. I don't know. Depends on how good they think he is as a prospect. I just don't know But there's, a lot. Uh, there's 24 other teams before them yeah. that could... Think differently. A lot and, of, and a lot of quarterback shuffling. Yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, teams that are going to move up. There's teams that are going to want to move back in the first round. Honestly, at this, at this point, I mean, when you're 25, you're kind of in draft purgatory because it's yeah. like you could spend that on, you could maybe get a second rounder like outside of the top 15. Those are guys are probably all second round grades um, or at least low first round. So, I mean, I don't know. I think to even think that they would draft one is such a far fetched idea at least right now it's january 14th i mean that could change but i think this is what you if you're a vikings fan you got to realize this is probably what you're stuck with for the night and i'm not saying it's a bad thing i just don't necessarily i'm not in the camp of believing it's going to get that much better i think what you see is what you get and with the offense what you saw this year is what you're going to get next year according yep. to everything mike zimmer said right. yesterday he wants you to he wants you to believe it's going to be the exact same thing but i just don't know the whole notion that, oh, we're a couple pieces away, well, well, where? Like, I mean, you tried to fix the offensive line this year. I mean, there are ways to fix the interior even more, probably pretty drastic because you'd be cutting players, which might be the way to go. Um, but financially, it's going to be tough. Draft, ca- draft capital-wise, it's going to be tough because you're probably spending that 25th pick on a corner if we're just being honest with ourselves right now. So I don't know. Okay, so I've got... Multiple crazy ideas for the Vikings at their quarterback future okay. that I want to share with you. Uh, and you could tell me which one is the most bat bleep crazy when we return. And if maybe you like it. 
We'll be right back. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app this month. One lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Top Golf with prizes also available for Amazon.com and more. Register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. Eric Kendrick talking to the media yesterday, talking about he's had a chance to reflect on a year that saw him named an All-Pro for the first time, saying? I have a, I have a little bit reflected on, on my year. Um, this morning at breakfast, uh, like I said, I just feel blessed, you know, for the opportunity. Um, did a lot of good things. You know, obviously, I feel like I can elevate my game even more. So I'm looking for the opportunity to do that, see, see what I can do to make changes, um, take care of my body, be the best I can for the team, and shoot, and and just be, you know, get after it, be the... the Psycho animal than I am. That's been your score north download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. By the way, uh, let me just say that all the people who have sent emails and notes about listening all season long to Purple Daily really appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And I would also like to say, do not go anywhere because we're going to have so much fun this off season. Football every day. Which people will say to me, like family members and friends, um, you wait, you talk football every day? Seriously? Adam Thielen even said this. Uh, we were talking about the show. It's like, wait, wait. So the whole off season, you're talking football? Ah, yes, we will. And there will be things to discuss. But here's what I'm looking forward to. At some point, we're going to do Vikings Mystery Week. I've written down a bunch of Vikings mysteries as in, like, you know, the people who hung from the truss in the stadium, how did they get in, or what happened to Mike Zimmer's eye, all these things. And we'll have people come in, and we will discuss Vikings mysteries with reckless abandonment later later in the offseason. So, like, things like that. We're going to come up with clever and fun ways to make this entertaining, along with draft coverage, free agency coverage, and so forth. You know what it's so. almost time for, right? Where we go through all the craziest things that happened this year? Well, no. Yes, we can. But mock draft season oh, yeah. is oh, upon draft us. Draft sims. Oh, we're going to be draft sims. sim our ass off. Yeah. Like, I am so excited because that's like my... Remember, like I kind of came up with a new routine for myself midway through March last Wake year? Wake up, draft sim. Wake up, coffee, draft sim, workout, draft sim, well, It's like lunch, the Kendrick Lamar sim. song? Yeah. Wake up, draft, draft sim. Wake up, <laughs> sim. No, but I mean, it's I, I, somebody tweeted me one... About two hours after the game ended on Saturday afternoon, I was like, wow, this is more savage than I would even uh, have come up with uh, at this point of the year. Like, Saturday afternoon, they're already going through seven rounds where it was manipulated, but they were picking all interior (laughs) offensive linemen. And I think there was a corner in there somewhere. So hats off to you, whoever you are. I got a computer worth of drafts, and I'm simming. All right, we won't sing on the show anymore. So I I have five... Four, four, four concepts that are crazy off the wall that the Vikings could try a quarterback that would not mean drafting a quarterback uh, this year. 
Okay. And I'm going to run them by you one by one, and you tell me what you think. I'm going to pull up their salary cap information. So these are these are sort of creative, but uh, unlikely. I just don't love the idea of drafting the third best quarterback because usually that guy stinks. Unless you get real lucky and Teddy falls or Lamar Jackson falls, those are the only times where. Or, or Deshaun Watson, where you get lucky, it does or you're happen. you're even in position to get a quarterback. But, at, yeah, who knows, right? But mostly they're they could Brian be, Brown. Though, just, to, just to clarify, just because of how nuts we expect this UFA class to be a month before the draft hits, they could be in position to get a quarterback, the third best quarterback, potentially, I wouldn't say the second best, because there will definitely be two taken in the top ten. But because of how many Guys, we ex- veterans, we expect to be changing teams. Yeah, there will they- be spots filled. Spots, yes. yeah, already. Sure. So, but but here are these. Uh, here's some different uh, potential approaches. Okay, the first one, uh, Taysom Hill is a restricted free agent, which means that if you offer Taysom Hill a bunch of cash, that the New Orleans Saints would have to match that offer in order to keep him or let him go. So let's say you decided, here's what we want to do with Taysom Hill. We want to offer him a four-year deal worth, I don't know, $60 million. And the Saints are like, well, good for you. Go ahead. And for next year, you use Taysom Hill the same way the Saints do, as a receiver, running back, tight end, playmaker. And then... You let Kirk go, and you hand the job over to Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback, and there you have your athlete. I don't know if he's a great thrower of the football, but at least you would have a, a, an athlete at the position who gives you a chance. He's a playmaker. He's dangerous, right? That's one potential idea. You're smiling at me as if you think it is ridiculous. No, do I need to react to each of these as you say them? I think you do. So why don't you react to the idea of paying Taysom Hill a bleep ton of money to come here and be a weapon for this year and then make him the starting quarterback the next year? So I'll go ahead and I'll indulge your crazy here. That's fine. That's the whole point. If you don't, I just sit here and be crazy for 20 more minutes. There's your slot receiver. So he could be your number three. There's your backup running back. Uh, you can mix in different packages. He could be your third down back. He could be whatever, whatever you want. Scat back. He could be your H back. He could be whatever you want. And then you say he can't throw. Well, I'm pretty sure that he broke that game open in what was it, the first half with that insane like fifty yard bomb that he threw to set up that touchdown. Twitter told me he didn't lead the guy enough. (laughs) Okay, you gotta be kidding me. Um, (laughs) If you're signing him with the true thought that he could fulfill as many roles as he had in New Orleans, and that you would use him in this offense the same way, why not? Because there's your backup quarterback. There's your number three receiver. There's your backup slash scat back slash whatever else in the backfield. Included H back. H back. Sure. Why not? Definitely. Um. Yeah. Go for it. Can you play tight end, too? Okay, sure. Back up. He could be three tight end. You don't need Tyler <laughs> Conklin anymore. You can move on from his salary. Uh, so that's a little crazy because you have to believe that Taysom Hill could be a good quarterback after. But if he's not, then you then probably you lose anyways, a bunch of games. Yeah. And, right. You draft one the next year anyway. So I like it because next year you have to try to win. You can't go into next year and be like, oh, we're just going to tank and, and try to draft Trevor Lawrence. You're way too good. And your coach is too good, your talent is is too good, so you can't do that. Here's another potential idea. You sign either Jacoby Brissett or Marcus Mariota or or trade for one of these guys, or Nick Foles even, which it would be hard to take on that salary. Mm -hmm. But you get one of these guys who you know was a starter and is going to be available as your backup quarterback. This would be called Tannehilling. 
And then after you're done with Kirk, you hand that person the job, the backup, that you make them the starter. So let's say it's Marcus Mariota, who, of course, no one would be super happy with. But let's just say Mariota's been a failure in Tennessee, but he made the playoffs a couple times. He's not awful. He's probably going to be immediately the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Let's say that you sign him this offseason when he gets let go as your backup, and you give him like seven or eight million dollars or something to be your backup with the idea of handing things over to him at his same salary for the next season. So then your quarterback spending goes from 30 something million down to less than 10 million, so you could spend a ton on the 2020 roster. Or you could do this with Jacoby Brissett or Nick Foles, or even if you were really crazy, Jameis Winston. You make them their ba- your backup for 2020 with plans of them being the starter in 2021. How do you feel about that? I don't like any of those options, though. Well, I none kn- of these are great. I know. None that's of these why I say have to, I have Pat to... Mahomes gets to be your quarterback. Well, so you're saying, <laughs> let me clarify with the Mariota thing. So what salary would I be signing him to? Because he had... Let's say it's a two-year deal for $14 million or something. And then I get to continue that beyond... You get to have him at that same Seems... deal for 2021 when he takes over as the starter. Okay. And in, you're in good shape in case... Something happens to Kirk because we know that if he got hurt yeah, this if you year, had, if you had bad. a viable backup, somebody like that who has won games, who has made a playoff appearance or two, who's not great, um, maybe he becomes your system quarterback. I don't know. I hate that label, but I, I think that you know if you could force him into that, if you could pigeonhole him into that, sure. I, I'm not even sniffing Jameis Winston. Oh, I'm of sorry. Course not. Like yeah. I, I mean, mean I Mike Zimmer down, would. But, Mike Zimmer yeah, no. would rather probably retire than have Jameis Winston as his quarterback. There's just too many risks yeah. involved with what he does on the field uh, that would give me a heart attack if I was a coach having to watch that uh, and suffer through it. So I mean, if you can make it work with the cap, I could. I could give you. Because, I mean, we could go through all these though. We could look at Andy Dalton. We could look at all the. I mean, I'm sure. What is he number four on your list? No, he's probably he, going to Chicago now like that Bill it. Laser's going there. I like so, it. so um, but I but this this idea this idea isn't bad because you're talking about any of these guys being in the ballpark of Kirk in terms of where they can get you, but way cheaper. So if Dalton doesn't get another starting job, which I think is possible, and he becomes your backup at like eight or nine million dollars, but you sign him to a two year deal so he can become your starter. He's going to take over than a team that has been restocked by using a bunch of money. Yeah. I still huh? think I, th- I honestly think after the Bill Lazor news came out that he's probably going to Chicago because Chase Daniels yeah, is a free possible. agent. But either way, and they're going to keep Foles, Mitch, Brissett, Mariota, Dalton. They're all in the same cluster of quarterbacks. That's probably one- not Foles. Not in the, not with that contract. That is a very heavy thing to yeah, take what's on. Foles' contract. Here? I'll look it up. I have it. Yeah, you're right. He's getting paid a lot. Look, that's way what's too his, much. What's his cap hits? Are they crazy? Maybe I'll have to take him off the list. I think. I, oh yeah. Okay. Whoa. I did not realize his twenty twenty cap hit is twenty two point one two five million. Take him off so, the list. Yeah. Take him off the list. He's so stuck down there. Mariota. It's Dalton. It's Brissett. These guys are not going to be starting quarterbacks next year. They're going to be backups. But if you sign them to two year deals, they could become your starter and be on a really good team. That's another potential option. My next one is to trade Delvin Cook and other stuff to get Tua. What is other stuff? Uh, probably your first-round draft pick, and probably your second-round draft pick, and probably your second-round draft pick from the following season. Oh, my goodness. 
Rick Spielman's not some. I'm just going off history. I'm trying to. I'm not trying to like rain on your parade here, but I'm also looking at realistically knowing how this general manager operates. Um, and, and you know, we've never really seen him in draft mode do anything. At least not in current years. Mm. Do any. N- do uh, anything current years. I'm wait. talking about the last five years. Do anything so absurd. I'm not talking about reaching for Christian Ponder. Put that. That's not current years. That was a long time ago. What about the three first rounder year? Harry and. That's not really current though. Still, I'm still talking about the last five Shreve years. Floyd and Cordell Patterson. That was 2012, right? 11, 12, 13. 13? Okay, yeah. maybe. Ah. But like, that's not. That's just not his <laughs> mo. And he's he's he's. Drafting for his job right now, because I still think there's a little bit of skepticism based on, you know, Kirk is going to be tied to him forever in this franchise. And, you know, getting it right might not be trading away all of your draft capital for the next two years, at least your high draft capital, uh, to go get a quarterback who's coming off of a hip injury. I don't know about that. So Delvin... 25th. You don't trade away your best offensive player. What have we learned throughout this playoff? He's running back, though. He is the best player on this offense. If he goes, you get Green Bay every single week, and they're a 3 and 13 team. Okay, but does anything matter outside the quarterback, though? I mean, not really. I just don't think that you're going to do that. I mean, granted, he is in line for an extension. If maybe they don't think that they want to pay him, if there's like some arguments from both mm-hmm. sides and they find out, hey, he's going to hold out and we don't want to deal with this, that maybe they would. But if I'm looking at this and it's kind of in a sweet spot, I don't think they're trading Dalvin Cook. So I'm going to nix that one. Well, it's not whether you think they would do these. It's well, whether you, told you think me, that they were a good idea. I, I told you just I to react. No, I, that I was am re- reacting. I am reacting. You I don't think like it's, it. I don't think it's a good idea. No. Move on. Mm. Four, number four. I think it's a great idea. Well, yeah, but I, I think you it's wrote the, it out. I actually think it's the best. I wrote all these ideas. I don't think that uh, Jacoby Brissett is the best one. Um, I think the best one is trading Delvin Cook or somebody else, whoever. Adam Thielen, Daniil Hunter, anybody who's not a quarterback. It just doesn't matter. I, you're tra- uh, so I mean, I trade someone and the 25th overall pick and something else to go as high as you possibly can to draft to a tug of Viola. It's no. exactly what Kansas City did to, to get Mahomes. They traded a bleep ton of stuff to 10. And every, don't you remember? Everyone's like, oh, what is Kansas City doing? Trading yeah, all and- their picks. Patrick Mahomes wasn't coming off of what was at the time thought of as a potential career-ending yeah, injury. Yeah, it, should, I'm it shouldn't be for him, though, right? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm worried about the hip. I'm one of those people that I think that that could affect his draft stock. And I don't know if you'd be overvaluing that. Yeah, getting Tua in an offense here, letting him learn under Kirk for years, probably not a bad idea, but the steps you'd have to take to get there... I don't want to trade Daniil Hunter. I don't want to trade Dalvin Cook. If you're looking at it as one of these skeptical Vikings fans who's like, oh, the contract for Adam Thielen sucks, it looks terrible because of what happened this year, then maybe you'd throw him in there. But the other two, I'm not trading. Yeah, yeah. I think a defensive end just doesn't matter in comparison to a quarterback. Uh, uh, Once-in-a-generation a, a, defensive end who's barely, on, once in a generation. barely at the Come prime on, of his career. There's nope, 15 nope, players as good it. as Daniel Hunter in the NFL. Not doing it. Let's go on to number four before I lose my mind. There not seriously doing are at least a, a dozen other defensive ends who get double-digit sacks and all sorts of pressures, and when they play and on the opposite side on, of a guy who's better, and who are not they get on less the attention. same team-friendly deal, the bargain oh, that yeah, they got to Neil Hunter My for. point is just that Mike Zimmer developed a Daniel Hunter and they drafted one, but we don't think you could ever find one again. Like, you don't, I mean, the, Afadi Adenabo has like, what, six or seven sacks just last year as a fill-in guy. Like, Mike Zimmer should believe in the fact that he could develop these players on defense and not pay them what they're paying them, I think. 
But nobody matters as much as the quarterback. That's the point. Is If you just threw a dart at a dartboard with all the players on them and said, would you trade them if you could get a quarterback? I'd say yes, as long as... Oh, they're not a. Oh no, they're not a quarterback. So it's all the other players. You hit a dart with uh, Daniel Hunter. Okay, see ya. Delvin Cook. Bye. Even Stephon Diggs. If you're telling me it's for a quarterback who's going to be better and for the future, I'll say okay, have to do it. No other position is anywhere close in terms of value. All right, my next idea is waiting until the 2021 draft and then trading all your future picks after that to get the top quarterback that you can get. To be t- Trevor, right? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, who's Who's giving him away? Like, probably nobody is moving out of number one to take Trevor Lawrence. But uh, the best quarterback you can get in 2021 and just saying goodbye to Kirk and you're putting that guy right in, he's going to play as a rookie. Are all of these things, these scenarios, just to clarify, are all based on the fa- on the possibility that they don't extend him this year? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, By that point, it's almost like you're conceding if you get to that level, it's like, yeah, you know 2020 is going to be tough. And that's okay, because I tend to think it will be. Like, you, And I know it's you early. You mean 2021, right? Like, you, that, that you, when you start that rookie, it's going to be a bad season. 2021? Yeah, because you'd be coming off of what is kind of, at least at this point, feels like it could be very much an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven season next year. If it all stays the same. Because you're one playoff win, not, you're not, how do I phrase this? Um, if the Saints game was a complete outlier... And if they go in there and they lose, then you're still a 10 and six team that made the playoffs and, and lost in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So that's potentially what you'd be looking at. I mean, it's not much, it wouldn't be much improvement next year. So if you're at that point and you expect, okay, we're going to enter a mode of rebuild anyways, then sure, try to get the best quarterback if you can uh, in the draft because next season might set you up position wise to be not that far away from being able to trade draft capital up to get there. Because I think I've decided just today that I love the idea in general of drafting a quarterback, but I don't love drafting the third best quarterback because of how rare it is yeah, that that I guy mean, actually that's a turns shoot. out. Like, unless you're getting number one or number two, or unless it's the 2018 draft class that had five in the first round, like that's in in by and large, except for Josh Rosen, most of them were good, including Lamar Jackson. Like that's hard. So, um, which one of these ideas do you like the most and hate the most? Let me go over them again. So, these are crazy ideas that are not uh, just drafting a quarterback this year. These are sort of off a little bit the beaten path uh, that the Vikings could potentially go with their quarterback situation if they don't sign Cousins to an extension. The first one is to put a huge RFA offer into Taysom Hill and have him be your playmaker this year, and then your starter next year. That was the one I loved as far as creativity goes. Uh, Creativity, not factoring in the salary cap. Well, you know, you just use Everson Griffin's money. Move him around. It's all, we know this. We know who their cap guy is. We we believe in him. We played golf with him once. That's true. Okay? So, trust Rob. But we're not one of these Uh, idiot cap is the myth people. No, 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 no. We just think that he can do his work. All right. Uh, so <laughs> sorry, I had to get that out there because it's almost draft season and it's almost free agency, and I know that um, a certain sect oh, of Twitter yeah. that just likes to it'll, come out of the woodwork and be like, "Cap is the myth." Mm-hmm. Cap is yeah, no, nope, nope, nope. So Taysom Hill was the one idea to use him as a playmaker and then become your starting quarterback. The other one was to get one of the guys who will lose their starting jobs and be a backup somewhere to turn your team over to in 2021 so someone like on a Marcus, short, on a Marcus short term yes mindset. like a one year yeah. type of 
or a two-year type of deal to be the backup this year, the start of the year after that. And then you're moving and on. And then you're probably moving on, but you can spend a heap ton of money to be good in 2021 with Marcus Mariota, for example. The other idea is to trade Delvin Cook and the 25th pick and potentially whatever other picks to get to a tug of Viola. And the last one is wait till the 2021 draft and then use all of your picks to move up as high as you can. If those had to be your ideas for moving on from Kirk, which one would you pick? I would rule out number three immediately. I hate you. That's the um, best one. I know. I know you do. And that's why I think I'm doing what is it. What's your problem? Because I'm just trying to be adversarial. No, because I think it's honestly, I don't think it's a good idea. Number mm. four, I think the entire staff's gone if it gets to that point. Everyone is fired. If Draft, get, really? You think I, so? It's 2021 because that means next season's probably really bad because you're in a position then well, where you doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, but I think that this team's still in win-now mode that if they even get to that point and they're expecting a rebuild that things went wrong next year and I think everybody's gone, which you could be in position to do, but if I'm thinking keeping the current staff, current structure, probably not going with that one. I like your first two ideas. I think Taysom Hill is a fun one. I'm glad um, you do. I, I think the I salary like cap implications it. make my head want to explode, considering this team's yeah. already about $6 million over the cap next year. But there will be restructures. There will be guys let go. There will be money freed up. Um, sure, why not? If you want to gamble on a piece that literally could be a wild card in your offense and, and play multiple positions, and you know, will they use it in the same way that the Saints did? I don't know. Because I don't you'd have to if you'd have to him. if you yeah. got him. But I mean, if Mike Zimmer says you want to keep the same system, then that means playing conservatively. Um, it's nice to have a chess piece every once in a while, but yeah. your chess piece at this point might be Irv Smith because he's your F tight end. You can move around, play as a true H back. It would be um, so much fun. It'd be fun, yes. But I just if they get if they want to get that unconservative, sure, go for it. And then even twenty twenty one would be fun too because even if he's bad, he's going to run around. He's going to look like Josh Allen, where he's going to win games because he runs around and breaks tackles and. Does crazy things, and even if they go eight and eight, we'll at least had fun along the way. Sure. What's not super fun is going eight and eight and watching Kirk get sacked constantly. Yeah, like, and that's I mean, not fun at all. Well, that could potentially be if they don't draft a, if they don't fix. I'm not. I'm not going to the draft just yet. If they don't fix the offensive line again or address it as necess- as uh, heavily as they need to, then that's the situation that you're in. But um, I'll go number one. I like the first one. I think it's fun. Number two, I think, is the conservative safe bet. Yeah. Getting and it, it yeah. not necessarily even just those three names. Because once we see how the UFA market, like of those tier three quarterbacks, uh, guys who become available in March, like, let's see how that shakes out. Sure, why not? Mariota is an interesting idea because he had a three year stretch with Tennessee where he's kind of in the Cousins ballpark of going nine and seven or going eight and eight or, or somewhere in that range with a team that wasn't particularly good, and then they get really good and bench him for Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's been unbelievable. I'm not saying that I think Mariota is good. I'm only saying that it would be interesting as far as ideas go mm-hmm. to have 2021 be someone like him who you're trying to find a Tannehill. You're trying to find a guy where it didn't work out in the first location and it does in the second location. Or if it doesn't, then you're probably terrible and then you draft the next quarterback after that. But at least it gives you one of those opportunities to have a very low spending on your quarterback situation so you can add a bunch of other free agents and spend all the way to the cap and give Marcus Mariota this fantastic team to work with. I mean, that's what they've really done with Tannehill. They've given him the right system, but also they've given him a really, really great team. The running game, the offensive line, the defense, all those things are super good, and that's pretty much why they're here now. And also, you know, I mean... 
you just get one game in the playoffs and sometimes life is weird and, and they end up winning that game. But that's not a crazy idea. It would not sell the most tickets, but it's not the wildest idea to have that little bit of a bridge if you don't like what you could draft now. I always think with the trading idea that if you have someone who you believe is special as a quarterback prospect, which Tua is in that range before the injury and yeah. just given yep. before the injury absolutely i would i would have greenlit that one right away um i don't know totally i'm just fair a little to skeptical because of the injury. sure yep totally i fair. know i i'm really excited that's why for the next two months because you're getting all these draft nicks who get intel from scouts from people who see mm-hmm. them from all of the you know the the senior senior bowl and uh pro days all of that all the measure balls all the interviews combine etc then we're going to find out truly how people feel. So I just, that's why I have pause on it. Yeah. He could very well be fine. If, if the hip but, is okay, yeah. though, then you're all right with idea I, number three? I would I would be all, well, no, because I'm not trading Dalvin Cook and I'm not trading Daniil Hunter. Yeah. So you have to find another way to get to him because it's not happening Daniel in my Daniil Hunter's book. harder to trade, but I'd still do it. Dalvin Cook is easy to trade for me. I, as much as I think he's a top three running back in the entire NFL, uh, looking at what you'll probably have to pay him, how much salary cap space that that's going to take up, what his backup did this year, what other running backs do when you draft them. I mean, Cook came in and was amazing right away. Can you draft another guy in the second round this year or the third round this year who could come in and be good? Probably. I don't know. There's all sorts of great running back prospects every year. So yeah, but we've we made this argument. I remember walking up the stairs last week at TCO just about the thought that you cannot just rep- like say plug and play yeah. in in. It's have not, it be that seamless. He's not going to mean as much to winning as Tua Tagovailoa would. Not even anywhere in yeah, the same stratosphere. Get, I agree that the quarterback is the most important position on your team. But to get there, I think you're giving up. You're, you're tearing down just to build up one other part, and then you have this other area you're going to have to fix. I just don't think it's that's, that's easy hmm. to think about. Well, they lost Adrian Peterson and just grabbed the next guy in the second round and fixed the position just like that. Well, I Adrian think was also old again. at the time he left here. Yeah, I know, but the point is you had a legendary running back who we would have said, oh my, I don't know how who you'll ever replace pro- him. Who was you at, got somebody better. Who was already on the tail end of his <laughs> career, who they saw declining, and I know that he's still playing. That's great. I think it's more about positional value for me. It's just the running back is the most replaceable position in the NFL. So if someone wanted to trade for yours, you'd just always say yes. If it's going to be able to get a position that's way more valuable in quarterback. Uh, Alex Boone is going to come up next, and we're going to talk about these things. Let's look at the other side of the argument, though, because this was super fun. I enjoyed this, going through different ideas, and I'll probably make up a bunch of them as we go throughout the season of just what they could do at quarterback um, but if they do extend Kirk Cousins, then what is the path to getting over the hump? Let's talk about that with former NFL player Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin from ESPN as well, when we return here on Purple Daily. Hey everyone, it's Phil Mackey here, and a little over two years ago, my mom died way too young at the hands of a rare blood cancer. She left me with two pieces of advice, be a good person and give back. So my mission is to help erase blood cancers from the planet, and I would love your help, Score North listeners, because on February 15th, we are participating in the Big Climb Minneapolis. 53 stories of stair climbing, downtown Minneapolis, proceeds benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Minnesota. MackieLLS.com to sign up and use the promo code Mackie to get on our team for just $20. Let's raise a bunch of money to knock out blood cancer. Join Team Mackie on February 15th at the Big Climb. MackieLLS.com. 
TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. First of all, like I said a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, I love these players, this organization. Uh, you know, the owners have been outstanding to me. So uh, I believe that there'll be conversations here in, in the near future, and uh, whatever happens, I'm happy with it. Mike Zimmer there, back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Now we welcome into the fray Alex Boone. What is going on, Alex? Dudes, what is going on? All right. Uh, I'm going to give you the five ideas we talked about earlier, and then we can go into what if the Vikings do sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term contract (sighs) extension, then what is the path to victory? Uh, we uh, did not lay out a good enough path last week, Alex. I, Apparently not. No, no, I don't think we, we did a good enough job there. Say maybe run the ball more than ten times. Uh, well, or or did gain we, maybe wait, like a yard when you run it. That would there be another. Thing. Maybe maybe block somebody. Maybe just stand in front of somebody and being a punching bag would just have been so much better than what I saw. But yeah, okay. it didn't work out so good. No, uh, okay, so the five ideas. First one was to sign Taysom Hill to a huge RFA contract for multiple years. Make him your playmaker this year, then your quarterback the next year. The next idea is to sign Marcus Mariota to a two-year deal where he's your backup, and then he becomes your starter, but you can spend a ton of cash in free agency the next year. Idea number three was to trade Delvin Cook and your first-round pick up to get Tua Tagovailoa. And the last idea was wait till 2021 draft and then trade all your future picks to get as high of a quarterback as you can. So those are kind of all my ideas that do not include drafting a quarterback this year. What? One do you like? If Taysom any. Hill. Taysom Hill, I love it. What that kid does on the field is fun. He is super energetic and excitable. He's like the first quarterback since Harbaugh to play quarterback and on kickoff, and I think that that's super fun. And everything else just sounds super ir- irrational. Like, number one, you're not going to get rid of <laughs> Thank Dalvin. Thank you! Thank Dude, you! Listen, you're not Sorry, getting rid of Dalvin. I had to yell there for a second because that made me so nuts. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing with me. 100%. Listen, you're not getting rid of Dalvin. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to pay that kid whatever he wants this offseason. Like, hey, whatever makes you happy, dude, you fill in the numbers on the check. You're not going to wait for Tua because you already hurt his hip. Dude, dude, I hate to tell you, but like, you hurt your hip. That's a big deal in this league, and you're a quarterback, and it was a massive injury. I just don't think some teams are going to think as highly of him. And number, number, what was number four? I don't believe in trading all your equity for a top pick. I, I've never believed in that. I think the more picks, the better. I think that sometimes if there's somebody that goes – look at all these quarterbacks that are going early nowadays. They're not the best at times. They're just – people have different opinions, and I think that you don't have to trade everything you want to jump up there. So I think if you're going to go in for something – I like the Taysom Hill idea. I think that's incredible because – It's the most fun by far. Yeah, because he adds another level to your offense. It's like, oh, my God, he's on the field. What, what are they going to do now? Like You could literally do whatever you want with him, and it would just scare a bunch of defenses because they don't know what you're thinking. And he can throw it. He can run it. He can hit you. Like He can crack you. Like, Dude, that's fun to play with. I love it. I, yes. I agree that I think Taysom would be the best option because you're not just paying him to play quarterback. You you could use him in a number of different packages offensively. I mean, he could play wide receiver. He could be in the slot. He could be running back. He could do a lot of different things. I mean, if we're, I understand this is kind of like rec- reckless thoughts. Now, oh, I wouldn't say speculation. We're not speculating, yeah. but it's just like reckless ideas because we're not 
accounting for the salary cap, and I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer here who wants to be like, well, if you need to do this and that and the other thing in order to be able to afford this. But they'll figure it out, sure. I think it's a fun idea because it becomes that, you know, question mark on offense that what are they going to do with him? When Mm -hmm. are they going to pull him out? When is he going to need to come out and bail Kirk Cousins out of a game? Because they've never had that option the last two years of a bailout for Kirk. Uh, I mean, they've never they've never played Sean Mannion in a regular season game outside of the nonsense finale against Chicago, and they never did it the year before mm-hmm. uh, with Trevor Simeon. So, I mean, I think it's a cool option. All right, so let's talk about, guys, what if Kirk Cousins stays and gets extended long-term? Uh, because I don't know how you guys feel, but I think that this is still the most likely thing that's going to happen. That the front office is going to look at Cousins and say, look, he was one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. We were close. We can do it again. And all we need to do is win a couple of those close games that went the wrong way, and we can get a one or two seed, and we can go deep in the playoffs. I think that that's how they'll look at it. That's not how I would look at it, but they will. So, Alex, tell me what your number one priority would be then if they told you today, hey, Kirk Cousins is your quarterback through 2025 no questions asked, guaranteed, locked in. He is the quarterback of this team, franchise QB. So we need to do blank now to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl with him as the quarterback. We need to get an offensive line that can protect him, make him feel confident back there, and can definitely help out in the run game. Like You, you, what, you need like just two more offensive linemen. You just need to interchange two little pieces, and everything could be smooth. And you said it. The, the front office is going to look at this and go, listen, man, we went deep. We didn't go deep enough. He's shown us the ability to get over that hump. He's shown us the ability to put the ball where it needs to be. He's a good game manager. The guys are starting to come around to him, it seems like. like why are we going to start from scratch again when we're just kind of making hay here? And I think that when they look at that, they go, well, what do we need to do? We have Dalvin. We obviously have Diggs and Thielen. We have Rudolph. We have Irv. We got all those pieces. We're just not protecting him enough. We're not keeping him upright. The minute he gets hit, everything's scattered, and he's kind of all over the place. And then the offensive line starts to kind of turn all over the place. I mean, do you look at this last game? Dude, Brian O'Neill gave up a sack. That has not happened yet. Like, these dudes were good. But the problem was they just kept laying it on him relentlessly. When you can't get up or catch a breath or stand up straight, like, that just changes the whole game. And that's why you look at that game plan and you're like, dude, that was definitely not what they were trying to do at the beginning of the game. Well, where do you start then? Because this has been the topic of conversation going into the draft for the last few seasons, and every time they address it, it's, it feels like whack-a-mole. Like, you get Brian O'Neill in the Which second round. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, that, but that was kind of the question mark at that time. Yeah. Is he going to pan out? Is he right. a converted tight end that's going to take another year? And, and that was great. It worked. And then this year, it's, oh, man, number 18, Get Garrett Bradbury plug-and-play, expecting that much out of a center who struggled. I mean, he had a rough year, and I don't know if I can necessarily blame him. He was undersized in a scheme that's supposed to be to his strengths, but he's going against really good interior defensive linemen, so of course he's going to be exposed that way. So it feels like for every one that they fix, there's always another one that falls by the wayside. So I'm asking, like, what do you do? If you say they need two different offensive linemen that are not currently playing right now and Mike Zimmer is talking about redshirting guys so maybe Drew Samia is the answer and we're, we were all just we didn't see it because they decided to use the college route and redshirt him allegedly um, 
Wh- wh- which positions do you fix first, if, if it's up to you? Outside of left guard, because we all know that that's number one. Well, that would be the no. I mean, it has to be one of the guard spots. I think when you're looking at it, you're like, okay, Brian's great. Garrett obviously can't go anywhere. He's young. He's a first-round pick. We're going to develop him. And I'm, I'm not giving up on him either. I don't think they should either. I think they need to be like, listen, dude, you need a number one beef the hell up. Like, dude, we're in the north, okay? We're not here to just play patty cake. Like, we're here to be big boys, so you need to gain some weight and get tough. But you need to put somebody next to him that's not afraid to kick a dude in the face. That is where people find confidence. It's, it's not the... The guy himself, it's the guys around him that are like, dude, are you coming with us or what? Like, this train is leaving, and you're either coming with us or you can fall by the wayside. That's when guys start getting on. You look at these teams, like, I'll give you the best example. New Orleans back in the day were a lot like this, right? Like, they had some good tackles. They had two phenomenal guards, Carl Nix and Jahari Evans. And then they had the old center, Jonathan Goodwin, in the middle. And Johnny wasn't really good for much, but his brain was impressive. Like, immaculately amazing. And he could power block you like crazy. But you put two guards next to a center like that, dude, and watch how this transforms things. Because those two guys are going to give him the confidence. They're the ones that set the tempo for him. They're the ones that always help the center. The tackles don't help the center. The guards do. So you get two big dudes in there. They, like you said, the uh, Drew that they redshirted, he's a big boy. Put him in there. If he's tough as nails, that stuff starts to wear off. The problem is when you put... Elf line, a failed center at guard next to a center that's probably not ready to play in the NFL next to a super old center, like it's like, or a super guard, you're like, well, who's going to be the leader in the interior? Like, who's leading the core right now? Nobody is. You need to find one guy that's going to help Garrett step up. And not only that, could help the left tackle step up too. So I guess I can't help but think what is the cost and what is the value that they would get out of trying to improve the offensive line. Or, or what I mean by that is, what do you lose because of it, and how much is it actually worth? So when I'm looking at how they produced on offense this year, they end up being the eighth-best offense in the NFL in scoring, which is pretty darn good. And with Kirk Cousins, he has the best year of his career across the board. Now, we know that there were some weaknesses, but also, if you overpay for offensive linemen and free agency, sometimes that doesn't work out very well. In fact, oftentimes, it doesn't work out really well. It worked out in Andrew Whitworth's case with Los Angeles, um, and maybe Roger Saffold's this year, but it's usually one per year works out, and the rest of them sort of end up being okay or disappointing or whatever else. So in a very tricky cap situation, which it's always going to be with um, Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, Courtney, how do you solve the puzzle here of trying to improve that and figuring out how many more points you're going to score because of it versus filling the gaping holes in a lot of other positions, including in the secondary? Well, as Mike Zimmer said yesterday, just when talking about this is a young man's game, that alludes to what's going to happen this offseason in cutting the fat away from the salary cap and trying to trim as much as you can to be able to give yourself flexibility that you just don't have right now as it stands on January 14th, projecting ahead two months, uh, to free agency. So that means you're taking these high cap hits from probably Xavier Rhodes, probably Everson Griffin's last season here, probably... Maybe Riley Reef. I don't know. People were arguing with me when I thought, hey, okay, maybe they... Ha-. To me, there's bigger issues to solve than your left tackle spot right now with within the interior, was, which is why was I was... Average, I was yeah. It was it was fine. It wasn't great. It was average grits. Like, that's what I thought of Riley Reef this year. So, I mean, I was okay keeping him. But you have a lot of other players on defense who you can move on from or restructure or just try to... 
get the money to be active in free agency and not try to get a tier, you know, a, a second wave free agent guard like you did in Josh Klein, and you guaranteed him quite a bit of money for what he was worth. So, if you're asking how how do I fix it that way, that's probably where I would go first because I don't think you wait to the draft and say, okay, number twenty five. Um, if you're if you're looking at an offensive lineman at twenty five overall, you probably could get him in the second or third round. I would spend that pick, which I am shocked I'm even saying this. I, I would spend that pick on a cornerback right now. Yeah, no, I actually would too because you don't have them. I mean, you, there's like no one who plays cornerback for this team right now. And you can get a good corner versus. I would pick a corner over a guard that I might be rolling the dice on to be a plug and play starter day one at twenty five. I think that that's totally rational, don't you, Alex? Yeah, I think so too. I think the one thing. I like the fact that Drew's been here a year too. I want to. I'm curious to know more about him, and I think that that's the one thing that we're all waiting to see is like you've been in the system now for a year. Obviously, things are going well at practice. Mike like, must like you, which means you're a tough, gritty dude. I mean, I'm with you. I think that there's a lot of question marks in terms of like who's coming back, what's going to happen. Like, like you said, Riley. Like Riley's a really good point because what do you do? Can you move on from a left tackle right now? Is Rashad Hill prepared to step into that role? Is and if not, like then all of a sudden you're down more I don't spots. Think so. than, I, I but like Rashad's such a conundrum to me because he's so strong and he's so long and he's so good. If he just really thought about what he was doing out there, that kid could be dangerous. I just but feel like the, he's always gonna his ceiling is a backup, don't yeah, you he's think? A swing tackle. I like him in that position. I do too, but you're right though. There's so many question marks, and you can free up so much cap space, and that would make this so much. That that paints a whole different picture moving well, forward. Well, that's the biggest question, Alex. Is how do you go from good to great on the offensive line? And I'm sure that people would get upset if I called them a good offensive line, but I think that they were an average offensive line this year. They allowed the sixth fewest sacks this season, which was definitely schemed, but also you know they, they had to work well within the scheme. And on the running game, they're one of the five or six best running teams in the entire NFL this year, helped by Delvin Cook, who isn't helped by a good running back, um, but you have good run blockers up front. So going from terrible to average is not super hard. You sign a guy, you draft a guy, and then you're average. I think going from average to a great offensive line is extremely, extremely tough. And usually what it takes is finding, I don't know, David Bakhtiari or Jason Peters or whoever it might be, a superstar left tackle is the best way you can do it because that position is just more valuable. But then you have to ask, well, all right, how is that going to happen? Where is that? Where are you getting that guy? And it's usually only the top of the first round of the draft. And that's where I feel sort of stuck, Alex, when we talk about improving the offensive line, because even though you'll get better by putting somebody else in there instead of Pat Elfline, how much better is a bit of a question to me when you faced so many great defensive ends in the NFL? Yeah, I think that... Are you talking about the age? Like you're talking about a young player versus a veteran player? Well, I'm, I'm just talking about if you replace the left guard with someone, I don't know that the impact in total points over a season is massive. Or or how you handle San Francisco this last weekend. I don't know if that's massive. I think a left tackle is the only position on the offensive line where that gain is super serious if you go from average to great at the position. Bro, that's nonsense. That's absolutely You're nonsense. No, no, no. I'm telling you right now, that's (laughs) nonsense. Look at Indianapolis right now. I think you left guard bias here. One guy, 
changed that whole team. And I get that. And he was a high like, draft pick, though. Yeah, he was a high draft pick, but he was worth it. Like, he was one of the guys that panned out. And a lot of people don't realize, too, that Gooch had a lot to do with that O line. But look at Costanza, dude. He had been up and down for years. And now all of a sudden, you reinsert one cog. Yeah, I'm saying this, finding him is hard. It, it, it is, but it isn't. Like, a lot of guys show you what they are. They just, people refuse to believe it. And sometimes what you need is just a tough guy in there, a mauler, a guy that's like, hey, man, we're going to circle the wagons around our center, and we're all going to protect him. And if nobody's in on this, then you can leave. Like, guys that just step up aren't afraid to say things. I think you need a real leader on that O-line. I think Brian is truly the guy that they look at because obviously he's not one of the better players on the O-line. And not only that, the dude is consistent week in and week out. But if you paired him with somebody else on the other side, like just a tough, gritty dude that could come in, like have some fun, make these guys cheery. It just it always seems like they're so stressed. And I agree with you. I think that they had a good year. But the problem for me as a pro is the same things that showed up week one in the past, bro, showed up in the playoffs. Yes, People sure. expose you too much to stupid, stupid things. When you lean on your pass set in week one <laughs> and we're over here like, yo, stop leaning. And then you lean again in the playoffs. Like how many times? Three or four? Dude, that's unacceptable. You're a professional. You should hear it once and go, got it. Will not happen again. The whole year, stop setting on different levels. How many people had to go up there and be like, yo, you guys are just, you don't look in unison. You look like you're all off. And it never changed. That, that is also a reflection of the O-line coach. Like, there should be, people need to be accountable for this stuff. Elfline's one of them. The O-line coach is one. I don't think that more than we talk about that you can get rid of Riley because that position is extremely important. But I think if you replaced Elfline with somebody really good, somebody that fits this system, somebody that Kubiak wants to bring in, look to Gary to find who he wants. That could be really interesting. I was just looking briefly at the um, offensive line, or the, uh, just tackles that are potentially available in free agency. So the best one right now is um, Jermaine Afadi from Okay, uh, so we're good on Seattle. tackles. Yeah. We're good. So if that's your best one, because... You ain't getting a tackle. He's, he's 26, because, like, Alex, like, listen to the rest of this list. I mean, there's, like, Andrew Whitworth. He's, like, 40. Yep. Um, Jason Peters is 38. This list Not says happening. Donald Penn. Uh, well, your your boy Anthony Costanzo, Marcus Gilbert, Mike Remmers could come back. He's oh a free God. agent. So Third I mean, time's charm. like, and actually, he'd be playing the position he was, you know, meant to play, and not being forced inside to play guard because of injury concerns. But Brian Balaga is probably the only one on this list that I would be like, oh. Okay. And he's always hurt. And he's always hurt. Yeah, he so, always I mean, yeah. I think that's why I say when I talk about Riley Reef, like, this is the least of your problems right now. Yeah. Like, maybe you draft somebody to potentially move, be able to move Brian O'Neill over. Because he's your no. left tackle. You don't think no. he's left tackle the future? Like, eventually? I do, but I like what he's doing right now. And I have I, a I big too. problem with moving people because I've seen how it goes really bad in people's minds. They're just like, dude, I can't do it. Oh, never mind, I won't. But. There are people that I know that are like, dude, I just couldn't handle the switch. Sometimes when something looks really good, people should just be like, let it go, man. Let it let it just stay uh, there. Mike Remmers is an example yeah. of that. Let it blossom. He, sh- he could just be beautiful. a guard. It'll be fine. No. Nope. I never no. understood where they got that idea from. but <laughs> No, no not it was not fine. Not even <laughs> close to fine. <laughs> Poor Mike Remmers. He used to just look at us in the locker room like, hey, <laughs> so please sad. don't talk to me. Well, please, I know how it's going. You know how it's going. Do we need to do this? I have one question because the person we don't ever talk about here, I'm wondering if it's a good thing we don't talk about with um, with Josh Klein. Yeah. He was like, okay. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't great, but he was okay. So, he was as expected, I think. To me, that's also one that you don't necessarily mess with. That's not your top priority to mess with right now. It's because they... 
if something falls into your lap, I would. I mean, I wasn't overly impressed at all. Like there were times where yeah. he was getting driven in the backfield where you're like, dude, you're a vet. You should sit down a little bit more. That should be like remedial. Like, but, these but that was him that, when they signed him. That was right. why he got cut. They, is because he was getting picked up and put into uh, Mariota's right. lap in Tennessee. Right. Yeah, and I mean, when you're looking at this though, you're like, man, we, this sounds like we have a lot of things we need to fix. What's the number one thing? Left guard. Mm-hmm. Fix your left guard, and you will have a way better line. Promise. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree that you'll be better. The one thing that I think is uh, with the offensive line, it is not just how good are you. It's how good you need to be for the team that you have of weapons and the quarterback that you have. So if you're Kansas City and they have some good offensive linemen, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz is amazing. But um, they don't need to have the best left guard in the league. They were in the AFC Championship last year with Cameron Irving, who is horrible. And It's true. Uh, And (laughs) so... You know, but here's uh, Pat but Mahomes. They, it doesn't matter because Pat Mahomes can move around all over the place and make plays. And the same right. thing goes for Houston's offensive line, not particularly great. And Deshaun Watson can make plays. You need to not just be pretty good and, and have a better left guard. You need to be great to have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. And this is where we're talking about through the lens of what if they keep him as a contract extension. I think at that point you need to start drafting offensive linemen every year in the first round to get those guys because your offensive line doesn't have to just be okay. It needs to be freaking phenomenal because Cousins holds on to the ball and holds on to the ball and holds on to the ball and won't throw it whenever there's coverage. So it's in a, in a way it's almost like... It's not the same as maybe some other team's offensive line. Your requirement is much, much higher to the point where even in 2016, when Trent Williams and and Brandon Schreff were were both healthy and that offensive line was great, he was still getting pressured in the middle of the league because he invites that pressure by holding on to the ball. Agreed, but I think that a lot of it is is minimized by Dalvin. And I think that when they they go away from that dude, his – glaring issues are just glaring. They're like, wow, that is... And then the old line gets exposed. It's like, when everything's rolling fine, it's like they're passing maybe, what, 10, 15 times a game? Like when they, when they were throwing 20 times a game or less, we were like, wow, these guys look unstoppable. <laughs> the minute they had to go over 20, they got exposed. It was like, whoa, okay, maybe they're not that good. Which I mean, definitely needs you mean to, you should pay the quarterback 30 mil or more, right? But maybe you should let the offensive coordinator just be like, hey, man, maybe we should just speed up these routes a little bit. Maybe we should just get some quick balls going. Maybe we should stop doing so many screens and maybe do some more missiles or some smokes or some other things. Stop. I mean, look at this last game. They knew every time it was a screen. They yeah, just, they really I, did. And that's another thing. Like when you're getting, when you're setting up a screen, you really want to make it believable. I thought the effort on the screen game was a little lackluster. Like it was like, dude, these guys are really, really good. So if you just stand there and pretend to be stupid for a minute, they'll just <laughs> run right by you and think they beat you. But you have to make it so obvious that they beat you. No, they're, they're instantly like, no, that doesn't happen. That's not normal. Where's the screen? It, they just yeah, you it can see it. Yep. Yeah, it's, you're like, dude, come on, man. So what was your thought when Mike Zimmer says yesterday that as we turn the page to the offseason and we look at the next offensive coordinator, what he wants in it, that he wants everything to stay the same from the play calls (laughs) to the scheme to probably the amount of runs called every single game and and sticking with a run-first mentality. Did you notice he also called it over there as the offense? Like, you know, over there on offense. He does. Like, not not my offense. Well, he's, I mean... Gary's problem. (laughs) Gary. (laughs) Well... I mean, to me, this kind of, the whole stagnation that we're dealing with here sets this team up for failure in 2020 because 
let's think about this in the basic terms. If you're not getting better, you're stay, if you're staying the same, you're probably getting worse. Right. So the fact that he's saying, I like it, everything has to be the same, which truly it won't be. I mean, when you, different play callers have different styles, but if you're having somebody who's going to be effectively you know, handicapped and handcuffed to what Mike Zimmer wants, uh, whether it's going to be run the ball, run, run, pass, like in, in five yards and you gain three of them. I mean, that's a problem. But I, I think don't think it's going to be fixed by a better offensive line. I, I think that it, I think it will, but the play action has to go up. The, the, the ability to stick to the game plan is the most important thing. We talked about this before the game. Listen, they're going to stop you. Don't freak out. Just stick to the game plan. And it was like, okay, at first they did, and then it was like, oh, my God, now we're hitting panic mode. You need to find an OC that's like, you know what, listen, number one, it's my offense. That's how we're going to roll. And he's going to start to find that eventually people aren't going to want the job because they're going to find out, like, listen, I want to be more innovative. He's going to be like, run the ball. Mm, You're right about that. I want to do this. Run the ball. Which is probably why we're getting Clint Kubiak. I think. Dude, it's probably why you're getting Rick Dennison, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, these are guys that are like, what do you, you want me to just run power and count? <laughs> Big tell. We're good. Like, people that are like, I want to throw smokes and I want to do some razzle-dazzle. He's going to be like, keep it simple. It's like Pete Carroll. Keep it simple. Just let run the ball and let the defense win the game. But that, not everyone's going to want to do that anymore. And I get that, like, we're getting back to this run-first league, which is super fun for some of us. But it does have to have a little bit of smoke and mirrors on it in order to make it believable, or else you just have what we did last game, and it's like nine runs, ten runs, and then all of a sudden we're just dropping back all day like we don't want to do this, but we have to. All right, let's take a break. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Courtney Cronin here on Purple Daily. And when we return, people sent their off-season fears to uh, Courtney on her Twitter, yes. which uh, maybe we need to get that the voice thing back that we the whoa voice that we used a few <laughs> weeks ago for what reason I can't remember. Dude, but, the, the ghost of uh, playoff past and playoff future. Yeah, Dude, that was what? it. What? Yeah, that's right. Dude, that's how right. How do you forget that? I just oh. couldn't remember. By the it's, way, we do a when, lot of shows. When did we stop the bells after Path to Victory? Because of they didn't victory. I thought it was that, a great little thing. That was, no, it was. We'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. We'll, okay. when we Path talk, to victory. When we talk to Path to Victory off-season version, then we'll make sure. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Now I'm fired up. That's good. All right, when we return, people's fears of the off-season. Um, mine is getting hit by a train. <laughs> number one on the list. Then we'll work down from there. When we return, Purple Daily on Score North. Score North Download Time. Jonathan here with the download. Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate. And the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd over at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. And the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com. Keyword winter. Eric Kendricks talked to the media yesterday, was asked... Whether his defense played the best they could on Saturday, his obvious response. I mean, we put we put our hearts out there. Man. I mean, the effort, the effort you can't question ever with us. Um, but do we play our best? No. I mean, obviously we lost. He was also asked the question we asked at the beginning of the show: what it'll take for the Vikings to get over the hump. Here's what he said: Um, shoot, we got a lot of work to do. Um, that's what it's, that's what off season's for, and that's what the spring's for. Um, so we just got to get back to it. That's been your score north download. Now back to Purple Daily. 
Thank you, Jonathan. Back here on Purple Daily for one more segment of 25 straight minutes of football talk. We mm. do that uh, only one break every hour. It's great. And uh, it's exhausting, hopefully... actually. So <laughs> we hope you're listening and we hope you like it. Uh, I, everyone feels bad for you, Courtney. We'll be all right. Uh, I'm not asking the, for the, your pity. The one time a week. That you come in. Um, so, wow. <laughs> wow. I said, someone needs to go into like off season mode because he is cranky. Uh, oh, me? You were screaming earlier. Because your take was absurd. Oh, my God. Trade away Dalvin Cook, trade away yeah, Adam Thielen, trade away Daniel Hunter. For, Thank you, Alex. That was absurd. For a great nope. quarterback nope. prospect who that could we don't know is going to be franchise. Not a chance. Healthy. Okay. Got hip injury. All right. You and, ever had a hip injury? Um, no. I'm a little sore from the plane rides, though. I I mean, that's what you get when you fly Spirit Airlines. So. You know what? Wow. No, if they want to sponsor us, they're great. No, actually, I had the best possible luck I could have in traveling back and forth in terms of didn't have people sitting next to me all the time, and flights were mostly on time, so it worked out pretty well, including Spirit Airlines, which was great on my way out there. So, anyhow, um, you asked people to tweet you stuff, which is dangerous. So you threw it out there. What are your biggest off-season fears? So how about you give some fears, okay. and Alex and I will react to those fears. Um, spiders. Are so, you afraid of spiders? Me? Yeah. I'm afraid of like things with a lot of different legs. Because mm. back in November... Centipedes? Well, there was a silverfish. Do you know what those oh, yeah, are? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fast. Um, well, I was in the bathroom washing mm-hmm. my face. I still yep. like, I had like sleep in my eyes. So I'm like, what am I seeing? And I look on the bed skirt, and there's like a shadow... And I'm like, oh, my God. And the shadow moved. Yeah. And then it became like Armageddon in my house. I went into like. They're hard to find once they run away. Well, it went onto the wall and I took my Swiffer and just started jamming the Swiffer into the wall to try to kill it. And it left a stain. I had a magic eraser (laughs) it off. It was an awful morning. Magic eraser. That's the worst. Um, So, yeah. How did we get on the subject? I forgot what you said 30 seconds ago. Biggest fears. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Biggest fears. Silverfish. I laid probably 10,000 eggs in my nose. So that's great. Um, so I asked people what your biggest concerns are for the off offseason. Um, I don't know if these are all concerns or if these are just things that people think are going to happen. Well, the first one's from Kevin, who is uh, Kevin 10 and 6 at Extend Kirk Cousins. I mean, I feel like that's all but a foregone conclusion at this point. So I don't know if that's really a but concern. But that's a, that's a fear, though? I, see, I can't oh. tell you if that's a fear. Uh, all right, well, hang on. Let's treat it as such, though. Um, Alex, do you think it's rational for Vikings fans to have their biggest fear that the Vikings will lock themselves into Kirk Cousins, which essentially, in a lot of people's minds, and I would have trouble convincing them otherwise, would lock you into a lot of what we have right now. One and dones, ten and sixes, eight, seven and ones. Yeah, I mean, I understand why people are upset, especially because when you haven't fixed the offensive line and you're looking at this and you're like, well, without Dalvin, man, we're really not the team we think we are. That would concern a lot of people, especially because when you start talking about moving forward, like, what is the contract? He just got you a three-year deal. Fully guaranteed. What does the next one look yeah. like? Yeah, that's that should be a fear. That is a fear because it's only going up even more and more and more. And then these guys are going to hit it like Patrick Mahomes is about to hit free agency soon, dude. You better hope that if you do sign him, you sign him before Pat Mahomes because that kid is going to jump that bar so high up there. Same with Sean. Dude, him and Deshaun, no one's going to be able to touch that. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, what happens when the ceiling gets lifted up? The floor gets lifted up, right? So everybody's contract naturally has to go up. That's what people don't get outside of the NFL. Every year the contracts will naturally go up because why? Because Brian got more, now I want more, now he wants more, and that's just how it goes. That's life. And the league's making more money. Right, and everyone's happy. 
But people are upset now because they're like, well, if we lock ourselves into a Kirk Cousins who can't just do it on his own for maybe four or five weeks because the run game's stalling out real quick, so we're going to end up being 9-7 and seven or 10-6, and six, and we're not going to do much. Yeah, that is a concern as a fan. It's also a concern as a player. Like, dude, now you don't think players are going to look at that and go, well, do we want to go there? Do I want to yeah, go play for this yeah, team? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, they, there's a lot of... I feel like there's a lot of bad juju right now over you know the head coach trying to figure out who the OC is going to yeah. be to possibly hiring his own son as the DC, which by the way never makes business and family. Doesn't anyone learn? No, okay. But you talk about that, and then all of a sudden the players are like, "Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be the quarterback for the next five years." Like, dude, do I want to go play on this team? It's going to be a run first. So as an offensive line, I'm super happy about that. But if I'm a receiver, <laughs> mm-hmm. am I happy about that? Do I want to do that? They, I don't know. You know, like it's yeah, just, it's a good point. It throws out a lot. Like I know or that we're, you, if you're a certain receiver, do you want to stay? Right, right. Or, or do I hold out? Or are right. you going to Listen, try to get trade traded? Me. I'm out. Yeah. I'm a, you know, and that's it's one of those things that when you hit free agency, the first thing you want to be is like, I want to go play with that guy. I want to go do it with those guys. Those guys look like they're having a blast. I want to go have fun with. It. It's not like, man, I, I don't want to go play for these stiff guys. These guys don't look very fun. They don't look like they're laughing a lot these days. Do I like that? I don't know. Uh, no. So that's interesting because we sort of stumble on an off-season fear that I think is very rational. I don't know if anyone tweeted you this one, but Stefan Diggs not coming to training camp until they trade him. Ooh. Or Delvin Cook not coming to training camp until that, they trade him or sign him to a contract extension. extension. That gets fixed. That, that, yeah, fixed. that one that, I think is You, you have ladder. no choice, guys. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, I'm not coming back. What do you want? All right, so what about Diggs, though? Because he's under contract. It's not a great contract considering how good he is. He has always felt that he is better than what they have allowed him to produce, and I would tend to agree mm-hmm. with Stefan Diggs. He was not happy earlier this year. From the sounds of it, he was not super happy even last offseason with the direction of wanting to run on second down all the time when he's a guy that thinks he should have 120 catches every year. And I don't know, if that comes to a head, then this is all of a sudden going to get pretty awkward. I think it's an interesting point to bring up because the conversations behind closed doors week four going into week five um, that all died pretty quickly. He got back to practice. Yep. He was <coughs> yes. coughing. Yes. He, he fought through the sickness. He got back. And Amazing. I always wondered in the back of my head if the conversation was calm down, do just just tough it out. We understand the limitations at the quarterback position. We understand that this offense is still four weeks in working on its identity. We understand it's a run first scheme. Just get through it, and we'll deal with this till the in the off season. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was talked about. I don't have any belief that it or any proof that it has been talked about, but that seems logical to me. Of hey, this is a very good makeup of this team. We can make a run this year, but we need you here to do it. Just just do your job for the next three or four months, and then we'll deal with. If you want to go somewhere, we will try to make it happen. Do you guys think that might have been anything? I think it's realistic. Possible. Yeah. I- I totally think it's possible that they would have told him we'll deal with this next offseason because they knew this was a win-now year and they couldn't afford to have him just decide to sit out. And, Alex, I don't know if uh, what your thoughts are on this, but players seem to be taking their fates into their own hands a lot more often these days, um, which I, I think is pretty interesting, right, with uh, Le'Veon Bell sitting out an entire Bet year. on yourself. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of players are doing to. that. So, Stephon Diggs could have done that, and they convinced him to come back. What they had to say to do it, though is an interesting conversation, and it's possible that he has asked to be moved to a different offense that throws the ball more often. I, yeah, 
personally, man, knowing Diggs, I, I can't speak for him, but I wouldn't blame him. I mean, like you said, dude, he is an extremely talented player. And when you're handicapped on an offense, that's mostly handicapped because your head coach is a defensive coordinator that's like, listen, I get it. You have the two, best duo out there at wide receiver, but it's the guy throwing the ball that we're worried about. Like, the more you keep talking about this, the more I understand why fans are like, please, let's not do this extension yet. Let's not let's 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 rethink this because now all of a sudden you might have a little turmoil in the receiver room. And I don't think that Diggs would be so wrong to be like, listen, I had fun here, thanks for everything, but it's my time to leave. Like you guys mm-hmm. just you are clearly a run first, run only, run on third down if you have to, just to <laughs> yes. get the clock going and like yeah, man. At some point, you got to either shine or be like, oh, I got to go. So here's a question. If, uh, let's say you are Mark Wilf and you have loads of cash and you own the team, and uh, Stefan Diggs comes to you and says, you know what, bro, it's been great, but if you're going to keep this head coach and this philosophy, then I got to go. I can't stay here anymore because I got to maximize my ability for my next contract. His next contract could be insane, right? Right. Um, if you're, could be. If you're the ownership, do you go... All right, well, maybe we do need to consider changing coaches then if we're going to lose a player this good over it. I brought it up to you earlier in the year when I said that if they went to Kirk Cousins, I'd be interested to see what he said when he was like, listen, this is who I want. Because he does make the most money. And, you know, you don't hear about it, but I think eventually it's going to start to have an effect when players are like, listen, this guy's great, but I'm getting paid a lot of money and I'm not happy and I could be winning a lot of games for you and the guys behind me aren't happy either. Like, we want to come help this team. We want to be a part of this team, too. We don't want everyone just to be like, oh, Dalvin, Dalvin, Dalvin. We want people to think about us, too. But we can't show up unless Dalvin shows up. And basically the coach is saying, hey, man, I want everything to be around this one guy. Well, eventually people get pissed. And you heard about it last year in like Cleveland. Everyone's like, whoa, no, no. No one's going to get upset. We're all going to be happy. No, we don't need to get the ball 100 times a year. I'll be okay. Week 8, everyone's like, dude, this sucks. I'm out. It's because it's natural to want to be the guy that wants the ball. You're a playmaker. If you didn't want the ball, I would be more concerned. When you like get upset on the sideline, like, yo, man, I could really use the ball. I don't get mad at that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, He's got a great point, dude. Throw him right, the damn good. ball. He's good right. at football. He, he's really good. You know what? Why don't you just do this? Take the snap and just throw it to him right away and watch what he does. It's pretty incredible. But when you don't let people do that, everybody else on that offense eventually goes, listen, I, I can't do this. I'm done. Like, I'm yeah. just, we're walking in circles for no reason it's, at this point. It's the prime of somebody's career, right. and they want to maximize their ability. And Diggs do was, it. was getting there this year, but as far as your – Overall production, I think he thinks there's a higher ceiling. So why don't you Let's go, go to your some uh, other ones? Yeah, go to your um, other ones. But I, as I was panning through this, I think that when we talk about the contract extension, while it does feel inevitable, I think there is a sect of this fan base uh, that is still kind of collectively holding its breath there, and, and for good reason. Because and there's one here that I'll just kind of sum up, then we can move on to another one that a concern is number one, a QB who can't elevate his team. Number two, lack of creativity on play calling. Number three, regression of the whole team. Now, we've talked about this. I hate the creativity thing, though, because I think Stefanski did everything he could with personnel and motions and everything else that you can. No, within the limitations of having a head coach who says, do it this way, because he, this is how were, I want the offense. They were one of the most unique offenses in the NFL in the way that they use their personnel, the way they use sure. formations. If you look through the way other teams use it, it's mostly 11 personnel with three wide receivers. And they had 21 and they had 12 and they had a lot of big packages. Yeah, I get that. But I think what this person's getting at is 
the run first mentality that I have a concern with. Yes, that, that Alex I agree has brought with. up. That it's just such you know, a lazy comment to say like, oh, why aren't they more creative? Like, well, what do you? A- what do you want him to do? I, I don't, I'm trying to give this person the benefit, this unknown person on Twitter, the benefit of the doubt, which That's I know a is good very idea. strange. Um, <laughs> we're just going to go with my take on that. So here's another one that I do like, Your though. spin is right, though. Yes. Are you worried they like to run way too much? Yes, I think they do. Um, here's a really good one. Where did it go? It had Anthony Harris in it. Hot take. Do not extend Anthony Harris. Use that money on a corner in free agency like Byron Jones. We saw in 2017 that this defense requires right. good cornerback play. Better cornerback play than it does safety play. Plus, it could also open the idea of bringing back J. Ron Curse on a much cheaper deal to start. Well, oh, he ain't he's back. not coming back, first no, off. But no. The, like, let's just, let's just kind of bring this here. I think the Anthony Harris thing, because he was an RFA last year. They, they give him the tender this year, $3 million and some change. Um, if you don't bring him back, I think that's a big mistake. So I think Thank that you. that's got to be a priority number one as you're trying to rework the secondary, and you'll have money to do it. Like, but Anthony has worked his way into a pretty significant contract for 2020, in my opinion, and beyond. Sorry, there's uh, before you comment on that, Alex. There's uh, just someone on Twitter, Chris, listening to the show. And about what we were doing this Kendrick Lamar singing about draft sims earlier, and just uh, I appreciate people when they send tweets like his, putting more lyrics to the Kendrick Lamar song that, that we could possibly sing. Uh, and- I I really like this tweet. <laughs> it's good. I'm not uh, going to sing it, but I'm going to say it because if for those of you who know the what is the song? Um, not Mad City. Uh, it's the Kendrick song. Pour up, drink. Something, something, drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you only trading up two or three spots? I'm going to show you how to turn it up a notch, which is actually pulling from the lyrics. So very clever. That's really good. I like That's this. That's really good. All right, Alex. Uh, Anthony Harris, would would it be in your off-season fears that Anthony Harris would say, you know what, I'm going to go play for Detroit or something? That would absolutely be a fear of mine. I think that if you don't sign Anthony Harris, it's a huge mistake. And, dude, you'll find the money. There's a lot of dudes on this team that are going to have to figure out some things. This personnel is going to be reworked. A lot of dudes are probably going to have to be coming down, but Anthony Harris, to to be a co-leader in the league of interceptions, I mean, dude, that is incredible. And you talk about what he brings on in terms of like ability to hit players. Oh, my God, this dude is one of the fiercest dudes out there. He's so fun to watch. And I get it. Like that You're paying both your safeties. That's fine. They're two great safeties. It's needed. And then you can go get your cornerback in the draft because it'll be cheap. And then you're still able to work around some other things. I mean, I really you – got, you got Kendricks, you get Anthony, and you, you have Harry. I think, man, that's a dangerous combo as long as you keep those guys together. Another good one. From at Scotty Roberts twenty five, that both Rick and Zimmer are both in full survival mode and will make decisions mm. at the expense of the long term future of the team to stay employed. In parentheses, not unique in sports, but capitalized. Scary as hell. Scary and hell are capitalized there. Oh. So I mean, that's got to be uh, that's that's a huge that's one. That's like when a silverfish walks by. Oh my god! <laughs> get that Swiffer out. <laughs> Have it so ready. He's basically worried that they're going to go into survival mode and just make what? Like conservative decisions? No, I think like absurd decisions. Like, uh, and I think they're more like. Was, t- could that be so bad? Could that really be the worst thing? I think this team, case? Alex, needs a shakeup because I think I keeping too. your scheme, you can keep it. Like, let's just, I keep going back to this, but keeping the scheme the same is fine. Like, if you want to be a zone-based team offensively, cool. But to say, literally, the play calls have to stay the same, the, the everything has to stay the same, no. Because you're staying stagnant at that point, and there are clearly things that you can learn from on offense to improve. But if you go, 
I mean, there's got to be some sort of shakeup there somehow. Does that mean trading away all your draft capital? I think that would be the fear. Not that Rick's done that all that often, but like Matthew said with his uh, Tua take earlier, something like that. Like when you are in survivor mode of, I'm going to lose my job. You mean? I agree. You know, I mean, so you agree with (laughs) this person. That's fine. No, no. I I mean, I don't at all. I I think that sometimes when you talk about making, like when you're trying to shake it up, I I agree. I think a good shakeup is needed, especially on times when teams look a little stagnant. I think that, you know, trading away all your draft capital for somebody that you really believe in, I mean, that. Is that really that bad? I mean, it happens every year. I mean, the draft is so... I feel like the draft is so up and down now. It's not like it used to be. Like It's like, man, you really missed that year. Like I can think of so many years in the NFL that I played that our draft classes were like, dude, they lasted two years and the entire class was out. And you're like, you traded away all that. I mean, I get it, but I, I'm more concerned about other decisions. Like, here's my biggest fear. You ready? That they minimize... Xavier Rose issues and keep him around. Hmm. That is yeah. my biggest. I'd be fear. very surprised by that, but yeah, I would not be surprised by that because Dude, Zim is loyal to his fault. Loyalty. Yes, yes, that's the problem. You keep looking back and going, "Wow, Zim seems to love his guys a lot, regardless of what happens." Well, now it's time to start shaking that tree a little bit. Like, hey, man, we had our fun. Now we can't have our cake and eat it too. We got to get rid of some pieces. And all of a sudden, him going, "Well, why don't we bring X's contract down and we'll keep him around?" Dude, no. Hmm. No, 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 no. It's a, no. I, no, that would yep. it would be very surprising to me, but I agree that there is a loyalty there from Mike Zimmer for players that he's developed that we have seen over the years. I guess I, I what I keep having go through my head as we're talking about it is, uh, and in the tweet about them getting panicked because they know they're at the end of the road here is. What would the worst panicked move that they could make? Would a panicked move be moving on from Kirk because they didn't like their last impression of him or him in big games? Well, but yeah, that that's might, catastrophic. That, but though. that, that might like, be okay though if they move on from Kirk. Like not this year, of course, because they really can't. Okay, I thought you were referring to this year. So that's yeah, what I yeah, was yeah. like. Whoa! Oh, that, yes, that's that's cutting him with thirty million dollars. Yeah. Yikes! That's, that's a huge. That's you're picking up fired. that contract. You're okay, fired. yes, you're fired immediately if you yeah. have a thirty-one million dollar cap hit for a guy who's not going to play for you. But that's what that's what came to mind though is. Wait, is that the biggest crazy thing that could happen? Is, think, what, what would be something so crazy in panic that it would really hurt them? Um, maybe just thinking, okay, I can just give me one more shot. Just give me one more shot to do it. Like with the defense, I think that that's and that's not necessarily. You mean that they panic. invest everything in the defense and leave keep, the offense the way it is? Well, no, not necessarily. That they just keep things. If Mike Zimmer really thinks they're just a piece or two away. And that he can fix it. I can fix it, said oh, if they, the mad scientist okay. who had like the, the lab on the fire. Yes. Like, okay. I mean, and I think he was very honest yesterday in calling it a young man's game, which just foreshadows a lot of your veteran guys. The defense is yep. never going to look yep. the same again. And that yep. that is a fact. But also talking about we don't want to make emotional decisions right now. We want to, you know, he's giving the coaches a week off. Come back. We'll do player evaluations. We'll We'll reconvene. What if they come back in a week and are like, well, Xavier wasn't that bad the second you, half of the season. Oh or Trey, we Maybe really do need to it. throw a ton of money at Trey Waynes and you know keep him here even though he can't get his head around. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things there that I would be terrified of um, in trying to justify what they're doing. In trying to justify, well, that's my guy. I want to keep him around. Like, similar to the Anthony Barr thing. Yes, I know some people think that they got him for quote-unquote free this year. But that was still money that they could have spent elsewhere. It's a could have huge had. cap hit now. And so that, to me, is one of those situations where, as, as Alex said, the blind loyalty got the best of him. And, and that's what I would worry about 
becoming an issue. Um, but I do also think Zim kind of maybe saw the writing was on the wall here that yeah, maybe I, you know, I respect these guys. I have developed them. But, you know, t- when you get past 30 and when you're getting old, like, and you're slow and you, you lost your athleticism, it's time to just say that instead of saying it's technique or saying it's something you can coach yeah, them out of. Yeah. Would you be concerned that they would keep Trey Wayne's at an yes. exorbitant price? Yes, I and I think well. that is a terrible decision. I think you need to move on from both of them. Yeah. Uh, I, but then you could also be terrified that you get to the free agency period. And, and there's you're nobody. Looking, right, you're looking around and these other corners go, eh, you know, I don't know, Zim wants things a very specific way and he didn't draft me. Even Captain Munderlin fought with him. Kind of a lot while they were here together. Munderland was developed Cap. elsewhere. The, the best, though. He was the best. Was the I best. love that kid. Well, uh, here's my question. Then, what, what if you keep Trey but not for an exuberant amount of money? Like, say it's a fair deal for both sides. I mean, if if the price is right, sure. But he could also, I mean, he had a pretty average season. The narrative out there that, oh, he had a great year. Mm, not really. So I don't know what his free agent market's going to look like. It's not. He's not going to. Be able to just go anywhere he wants and break no, the bank. No, no, so no. now He's that not we, Rebus. yeah, now that we know that if they did, if they kept him at a fair price that wasn't thirteen a year, I could consider it. But but I also think it's they're not able to keep both McKenzie or Trey. Yeah. Um. And I think McKenzie, McKenzie per, personally, I think, I think he's go. I think he wants out. He wants and to be I would, an outside corner. And yeah, go do that somewhere else. Yep, and right. and you can. Um. And also, I think the injury just kind of and the optics of why he was playing and everything else kind of compounds the whole situation. Um, so to me, he's already gone, but they will, I mean, they're going to have to find their big nickel option because it sure as hell doesn't sound like J. Ron Curse wants to come back. So I think the secondary, (laughs) (laughs) so who does want to come back? All of his tweets all the time. Uh, that's a good question for another day. Maybe on Thursday, we'll talk about who's definitely coming back and who is definitely going to be gone this off season. Lots of fun off season talk. Plus we'll uh, have championship games to talk about as well on Thursday when you and I are together again, Alex. And guess what? The routes, they will be toasty hot. Oh, so hot. So hot. Uh, Courtney, you're going to the senior bowl. That'll be fun. I'm excited. So you could be one of those people. Uh, Oh gosh. (laughs) Go into off season mode. You meanie. All right, we'll catch you tomorrow here on Purple Daily. Mackie and Joe with Ramen coming up next. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Tread. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.